Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to day eight of the 2023 uh, AFCON Diaries brought to you by www.africasacountry.com, where you can get you know some AFCON coverage uh, as well as coverage on other affairs on the continent. Um, we are still here in Abidjan, and today there were three matches. Once again, we had started the day off with Algeria versus Burkina Faso, and then we went on to Angola versus Mauritania. And finally, we finished today with uh, another interesting match between Mali and Tunisia. So let's start with Algeria versus Burkina Faso. And this is the match that I think I'm going to be speaking the most about. It's the, mas- it's the match that I paid most attention to. And it's a, pa- a match that I know the best in terms of the sides that we're playing in it. <clears throat> now, the first thing that we need to know is that these sides, they know each other very, very well. Um, really, over the last 10 years, Algeria and Burkina Faso have clashed a good number of times, whether that be in friendly matches or most notably in World Cup qualifiers, both in 2014 for the, I mean, for the 2014 World Cup and for the 2022 uh, FIFA World Cup as well. On both of those occasions, Algeria eliminated Burkina Faso, but they were always very tough in KG matches. Nonetheless, you know, players like Bertrand Traore, players like uh, Sofiane Favouli, they were, they played in these matches, sometimes even in the 2013 matches for the 2014 uh, World Cup. So these are teams and nations that know one another very well on the footballing scene. That's just the first point I wanted to make. The match was a good match. It was actually a very, very entertaining match. Um, Look, I thought that Algeria were the better side throughout the match. Um, I thought that Burkina Faso scored an incredible goal at the very end of the first half in in stoppage time, actually. Um, Fessal Tapsoba takes a, a touch away from uh, the defender on his back, gets his head up, shoots in a perfectly driven cross as Mohamed Konate, the actually Ivorian-born striker who plays for Burkina Faso, makes a perfect run between the fullback and the center half. Um, and he just makes a leaping header just past the penalty mark and powers the ball past Anthony Mendrea, the Algerian goalkeeper. So that was, I think, in my opinion, it was an indefensible goal because it was a perfect cross. I mean, tip-top. Amazing, really, like, incredible precision. It was a perfect run, perfect timing, perfect header. There are times in football, I think, where you can't just blame, you know, players or you can't blame coaches or schemes. Sometimes, you know, when you play at a very high level, really good players are going to do really good things and they can be indefensible at times. Algeria comes out in the second half and they score uh, a goal um, via Baghdad Bounidjah. It's a, a little bit of a sloppy goal. You know, Youssef Bedeli hits a free kick, hits the wall, bounces around. Nabil Bentaleb hits a shot on goal. Baghdad Bounidjah hits the gets the rebound and knocks it in. Okay, cool. Then Algeria concedes a sloppy <laughs> penalty kick. And this is the second time in two matches that Algeria concedes a penalty kick. So uh, you have to think that if they didn't, you know, concede those two penalty kicks that have six points right now. Very, very sloppy defending for both of them. The first one, Nabil Bentaleb, in the first match against Angola, comes out trying to clear the ball away, takes a player's leg, and this time it was the same thing. Renate Nouri swinging for the fences, trying to clear the ball, and he takes a player's leg, uh, Issa Kabori's leg, and, and it's a quite clearly a penalty, which Bertrand Troy slots home. And then in the final minute of the match, Baghdad Bounidjah equalizes for a second time, this time from a corner kick. He beats Steve Yago, rises highest, and, and powers uh, in the header. And Algeria 
share the spoils with Burkina Faso, 2-2 draw. Now, now that we covered exactly how the match went, let's talk about a few different things. Number one, I thought that Burkina Faso tactically came into this game with a much more interesting game plan than Algeria. And this is going to be a recurring theme for Algeria and the coach Jamal Boumadi. Burkina Faso come into this match and we didn't really know what they were playing because they had Adamo Nagalo, who's usually a center half, as a right back. And they had Isa Kabore, who's usually a right back as a right winger. But it really was a 4-3-3 out of possession. And in possession, they were playing a 3-5-2. Why is that important? When they're out of possession and they're in that 4-3-3, Nagalo, who's one of the, you know, the, the rising stars of this tournament, is just 21 years old, starting, you know, started more than 15 matches for Nordschland in Denmark. He's on Yusuf Beleli, so they put an out-and-out defender, not an attacking fullback, an out-and-out defender on probably Algeria's most dangerous man. Definitely was in this match. And Issa Kabore, who's usually a right defender, right defender, right fullback, he's on a right winger to sort of neutralize Algeria's ultra-attacking fullback, Rayan Eitnuri. So I thought that was very, very smart. And Burkina Faso do have really good ball-playing center half, so when they were in possession of the ball, you had... Uh, Steve Yago, the left back, push up, and you had just the three center halves in the back line, and even Burkina's midfield pushed as far as they could into Algeria's half. They didn't always find, you know, the line-breaking passes to supplement those midfielders and and to feed them um, and to try and break down Algeria's play. But tactically, I thought it was a really good game plan by Hubert Velud. Very, very interesting. Whereas Jamal Belmadi lines up in a 4-3-3. It's the same 4-3-3 that Algeria has been playing for the last five years. It's predictable. Uh, it's uninspiring. And it's just so easy to game plan against, right? So that, that's that's one of the interesting things about Jamal Belmadi is that he came in when to the Algerian national team when he was a new coach and there was a sort of freshness about him. And he's just become really stale. That the formation and the tactics is one thing, but let's take let's take another thing. When Jamal when Jamal Belmadi was appointed the coach of the Algerian national team, he comes to the press conference and says, "You know what? There are players who believe that the national team belongs to them. They have bad attitudes. That's not how we go about things over here. I'm wiping the slate clean. Everybody has a chance to do anything. And players that I think have attitude problems or players who had." think the national team belongs to them, I'm going to discard. And as a result, actually, one of the starting midfielders from yesterday's match, Nabil bin Talib, is discarded. A left-back, Fawzi Ghulam, discarded. There are several key players from the Algerian previous you know, iteration of the Algerian national team that are discarded. So, so he's coming in with, you know, no clicks, no players of influence, nothing of the sort. It's all about what you can do on the pitch. And now, <laughs> the narrative, especially from Algerian supporters, is that it's the opposite. There are players playing on this Algerian national team that do not deserve to be starting when, you when considering their, you know, their form and their style of play. A few examples, but the main example is the, actually the captain, Riyad Mahrez, and this is one of the main controversies that has come out of this match. Riyad Mahrez really hasn't been in form over the last six months with the Algerian national team. Maybe a little, maybe even a little more than that. 
nobody's denying that he's been, uh, you know, an incredible player in the past for the Algerian national team. He's been one of the best players of all time for the Algerian national team. He scored incredibly important goals on that 2019 run when we won the African Cup of Nations. But he hasn't been great recently. And in this African Cup of Nations in particular, he's been very, very disappointing. Um, physically, he's much less energetic. On the ball, he's been dispossessed far too easily. And even when taking set pieces, he's been very, very wasteful. I'm not stu- I, I know he's not stupid. He knows he's been subpar. But there's a point now that I think maybe people outside of the Algerian national team, maybe non-Algerians don't realize, but there's we're getting close to a boiling point here between supporters and Riyad Mahrez and Jamal Belmadi. I think supporters really have enough, especially, especially, especially when you see who's on the bench. And before I talk about that, I mean, besides Riyad Mahrez, today we started Sofian Ferguli, 34 years old, <laughs> playing in, in for a, a very tiny club in Turkey, um, you know, who was, again, an incredible player for the national team 10, 11 years ago, but we're in 2024. Um, some of the, our defenders, Aysa Mondi, for example, we don't know what he's done really to justify his position again over the last year or so. But these players, especially Riyad Mahrez, we all know have a great relationship with the coach Jamal Belmadi. And as a result, I'm not saying that's why he's starting him all the time, but it certainly seems that way. And on the bench, you have a player like Mohamed Amin Amoura, who has been one of the most efficient players in Europe. 13 goals in 15 matches for Union saint gilloise Of those 15 matches, only 8 of them are starts. And he comes in at halftime and he completely changes the game. Here are some statistics. <clears throat> Sofian Fagouli played the first half in the exact same position as Mohamed Amin Amoura when he came in in the second half. Sofian Fagouli finished the first half with 11 touches on the ball. Amoura had 25. Riyad Mahrez, who played 74 minutes to, Bilali's, uh, to Amura's 45, had 26. And again, when comparing the two wing players, Riyad Mahrez and Yusuf Bilali, Yusuf Bilali had 48 touches to Riyad Mahrez's 26. In those 26 touches, he had 14 successful passes to 17 um, total passes. Riyad Mahrez had an XG of 0.01, or zero, sorry, 0.03 and XA of 0.01 for a total XG plus XA of 0.04. Horrible numbers for him. Uh, and again, you get this from watching the match, not just relying on you know uh, statistics that you can find online. Mohamed Ahmouda, how does he come on and change the game? He changes the game because he's not asking for the ball at his feet. You know, Yusuf Bilali wants the ball at his feet. Riyad Mahrez wants the ball at his feet. And a lot of our midfielders... In particular, Nabil Bentaleb, Rami Zarouki, Sofian Farouli, who is usually somebody that makes runs into space. Today, they all wanted the ball at their feet, and they were not nearly energetic enough. I know we were playing in 36-degree heat, but when Mohamed Amin Amoura came on, it was incredible. In the first five minutes, he completely switched the game. He's making runs behind fullbacks, behind center halves. He's getting stuck in in challenges. He's putting in perfectly you know, weighted crosses. He was quite clearly, along with Yusuf Belayli and Baghdad Bounijah, the best players on this Algerian national team. And Mohamed Amin Amoura, without a shadow of a doubt, 
should be starting every single match for Algeria for the rest of the tournament. There's absolutely no doubt in anybody's mind. Now it's going to be interesting to see how Jamal Belmadi does that. How does he implement that? So uh, that that's really one of the things that's really been on our, my mind and that's really been the dominant narrative for the Algerian national team is the coach has been really stubborn. He's stuck by a group of players that don't justify with through their performances, don't justify their starting places. Uh, it's stale. Algerian football is stale. It has been stale really since uh, since they crashed out in the 2021 African Cup of Nations. There's a lack of confidence, not just with the attacking players, but also with the defending players. This is one thing that I think this is a reason why Algeria cannot win this tournament, in my opinion, as it stands right now, is that you have a back four of Ryan Aitnouri from Wolves, Rami Ben Sabaini at Dortmund, Isa Monde at Villarreal, and Yusuf Atal at Nice. These are all good players. I'm not saying they're bad players. They're all mistake-prone defensively. Rami Ben Sabaini, the most solid he's been defensively is when he's actually a left-back and not a left-center half. But then... Who do you bring in as a center back if you're Algeria? I think you could throw in Azinadine Bilaid, Mohamed Amin Tougay. I think they might be do a better job than what Isa Mondi is doing at the current moment. Uh, but then you'd have to bench Rain Eight Nuri. But the defensive balance is not right, in my opinion. The fullbacks are ultra attacking, and the center halves, one of them lacks a lot of pace. <coughs> Excuse me. And both of them are injury prone. So that's a problem. There, I, I, I mentioned three weaknesses for the Algerian national team prior to this tournament. Center-back pairing, which was a problem today. Defensive midfield play. Nabil Bentaleb has started as a number six, you know, as a defensive midfielder over the last two matches. The first match, he was horrific, and he conceded the penalty. This match, I actually thought he played pretty well. And so that's, that's positive. And he didn't have Ismail Ben Nasser next to him, who... Uh, you know, would definitely help out in a lot of uh, physical duels and stuff. And the third one was defending set pieces. And I thought today that Algeria did an okay job of defending Burkina Faso's set pieces, but they were troubled defending those set pieces. So a lot of those weaknesses still seem to be there. The coach still seems stuck in his same old tendencies. A lot of the players that we're relying on are past it. And unless we see a radical change here where Jamal Belmadi benches Riyad Mahrez, maybe, or at least subs him out after 60, 60 minutes if he's not doing anything, we need to start seeing brave, courageous decisions from the coach. We need to start seeing fresh, new decisions from the coach. I don't think they're coming because he's been really, really stringent and stubborn over the last two years, and I don't expect that to change now. But if it does, I think this Algeria team has the quality to go far in this tournament. And if it doesn't, I think this Algeria national team is also capable of crashing out early once again. So anyways, that was Algeria versus Burkina Faso. We talked about that for 16 minutes. Let's touch on the other matches very quickly. <coughs> Mauritania versus Angola was not what I was expecting at all. Mauritania only have one goal in their three. They only had one goal in their three uh, previous appearances. Um or sorry, their two previous appearances at the African Cup of Nations, and that was a penalty. They're not a side that's known for scoring goals. They're a side that's known for being very difficult to break down, being very organized. 
the coach Amir Abdu, I think, sets them up great in terms of out of possession structure. Um, you know, they they tend to then maybe want to score goals through set pieces. Um, and so I wasn't expecting them to concede three goals. <laughs> the first one off of a set piece when Jelson Dalla scored. And Jelson Dalla, like Jenny Katamo, I think are the two most underrated players in this tournament. I make up statistics like that all the time, but I really do think that they might be two of the most underrated uh, players in this tournament. Jelson Dalla gets a brace. The the winger playing for El Wakra. Um, and I thought Angola were the better side for large swaths of this match. Um, them playing Gilberto who was great at the Shan in Algeria earlier on this year. He was also great for Angola today. Um, Jelson Dalla worked. Um, Mablulu, I thought, you know, hairy defenders. Um, and they still have, you know, young... Zini was a new player that came in that I was, I've was i been waiting to watch him for a very long time. I thought he had an okay performance today. Overall, Angola, I thought, were the better side. And the only goals they conceded were goals that were... You know, very difficult to stop. <coughs> Excuse me. You had Sidi um, Ammar, I believe. Sidi Buna Ammar. Dribble past like six defenders. Maradona as goal and score. And the second one was Abu Bakri Koita, who's str- beautiful wonder strike of 30 meters away. So I don't think Angola could, you know, you can't set a team up to defend against that. It's just individual skill. Um, but Overall, I thought they were the better side, and they deserved to win. And after their performance against Algeria and against Mauritania, I'm not betting against them to, to get knocked out early in the, in the knockout stages. They now have four points. They're on to the next round, so, so we'll see how that goes. Finally, we had Tunisia versus Mali. This is a match that I didn't watch too much of. Um, but from what I did see, Mali monopolized possession, especially in the second half. Tunisia didn't have... Many, many chances. They were playing with a false nine. Yusuf Msekni has a false nine. Um, their goal when they did score was beautiful, intricate play. And it's frustrating with Tunisia because you see what they're capable of with a play like that. But then the rest of the game, they're not able to hold on to possession of the ball. They were getting dominated in a lot of physical duels. And it seemed like the coach and the players were okay with getting a draw and really putting all of their marbles on their next match versus South Africa, which is, I mean, that's not something you want to be doing, right? South Africa are a good side, and I hope they're not underestimating them, the Carthage Eagles are. Uh, Mali, Lassine Sinayako scored a good goal. He's one of those players who, you know, I was never really confident in. I always thought, you know, Ibrahim Akone or... uh, Albilal Toure were going to be the, the strikers for Mali, but since they don't have either of them, I think Sinayoko's done a good job of deputizing. Uh, other than that, I wasn't too impressed with Mali, but, you know, it's like one of those games. There's one Mali and Tunisia have played each other in the last two AFCONs. It's always 1-0 or 1-1. Um, and then even World Cup qualifying. They, they also know each other very well, like Algeria and Burkina Faso. It's always these cagey affairs in midfield, you know, like these possession battles, very le- very few clear-cut chances. And today was was similar. Today was similar. Uh, Mali were the better side, but Tunisia were not thoroughly outplayed. And now I think both of them are just like living to fight another day. That's my main observation from that match. Anyways, that's it. We've gone for another 20 minutes, another 20 minutes of the 2023 AFCON Diaries, day eight. Can't believe that. 
uh, if you've enjoyed it, please give it a thumbs up, subscribe, comment, let me know what you think of uh, all that I've been spouting on here. And uh, thanks for listening, and we'll speak to you tomorrow. Peace.